Hey all, before we get started, I just wanted to offer a heads up that there are a few rough audio parts in these first few episodes. Um, we're just kind of learning as we go here, and we did not realize what would be on the recording until we went to edit and the damage had been done. So um, the issues are from my mic in particular, which is super annoying as far as like having something that your brother can hold over your head. Um, but rest assured, we have worked these kinks out and we don't think that it makes the episode unlistenable. We just want to acknowledge it. So for the moment, thank you so much for your patience and we hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody. I am Caleb and this is my sister, Chrisan, and we are here to argue for our pleasure and you guys can listen. You're supposed to let me introduce you, Caleb. Oh, How are the listeners going to know the difference between who we are? Um, so it sounds so similar. Mm-hmm. Anyway, hey, thanks for joining us. Um, today we have, as usual, well, there is no usual yet, but it will be usual that we have um, a topic of highest import and a topic of frivolity. And our topic of highest import today is, Caleb? Do you prefer sweets or savory foods? I really honestly enjoy both. Ham is both. That's cheating. You can't say both. Ham is both. Ham is savory and it's sweet. I'm going to say. So I would say, I would say ham is savory. It's unless you like caramelize it. And, no. and you get like a thick no, crust, then it's wrong. basically a dessert. But you're wrong because we had a honey glazed ham, but we forgot to put the honey glaze on it. And I swear it tasted like it had honey in it. And it didn't. It had no honey. And it tasted like it did. It was so sweet. It's like a sweet meat. Have you ever heard that sweet meat? <laughs> I feel like I've heard that. <laughs> okay, I would still say that ham... Okay, we, we don't have to discuss whether or not ham <laughs> is sweet or savory in general. So basically, if you had to give give up one for the rest of your life, or I won't say that because that's different. If you had to pick, like, which do you prefer, sweet foods or savory foods? It's difficult. I'll, 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 I'll say sweet. I'll yeah. S- I'll say sweet. See, I, I'm going gonna, gonna to go with savory, but I expected myself to go with sweet. Cause I, like I, if you put a plate of cookies in front of me, I will eat like twelve of them if there's twelve, or or I'll just go okay. until I feel bad. Cookies. But I, but my favorite foods in general, like if it's between a plate of cookies or like a steak or or like a grilled cheese, right? I would take the savory foods over the sweet ones. But I love yeah. sweet. I'm gonna. I'm going with your answer. I'm gonna say savory. I agree savory. with what you just said. That's a that's a good choice. We're bad at disagreeing on that. Yeah. Hopefully, Hopefully. <laughs> the topic of frivolity is uh, a little bit more contentious. Yes, let's hope. So today we are going to tackle the sovereignty of God. You have to say it with gravity. Um, and before we start talking about it, we're going to define it because I think people define things differently. And that's actually where a lot of division comes from is that you're just working with different terms. So we might not be talking about what you think of when you talk about sovereignty of God. Caleb is going to 
um, define it first, but I think you wanted to say something about how you have heard this word defined in the past, right? Yeah. So I, so growing up, I was mostly taught by um, Calvinist teachers and the way that sovereignty was described to me was now I'm, I haven't held the Calvinist view in a long time and I haven't debated anyone or whatever. So I, I'm not very schooled up on how they would define sovereignty, but from my understanding, sovereignty would be um, that God has the ultimate authority and is expressing that authority. And that anything that happens outside of his will um, would be something greater than God, because if God is sovereign, then his will will be done. Okay. Um, and I agree only with the first few words of that definition. Okay. So my understanding of sovereignty, and we can address, we'll address whether or not we can go against God's plan and go against his will later. Mm -hmm. But my definition of sovereignty is the ultimate authority of whatever you're talking about. So God is sovereign of creation. He made creation. He is the, he has all the authority in creation. Um, but how he expresses that authority is determined by his character. Uh, but it's along the same lines of a king, like Queen uh, Queen Elizabeth is sovereign of Great Britain, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know if she still is, if that role is that. But um, but when the king is sovereign of the kingdom, he doesn't care when the farmer plows or eats, but he has the authority in that kingdom. And I might be sovereign over my household, but I don't really care you know, what everyone in my house is doing unless they're burning it down or <laughs> yeah. something like that. Like, I, I don't really, I don't have to dictate everything that goes on in my household to be sovereign in my house. Right. So, okay. yeah. 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 So would, is that? I Yeah, I think it's a with? totally fair definition. Like, yeah, we can, uh, what kind of control God exerts is like, that's what we're talking about. But that's yeah. a great definition that basically just to, make sure that I'm getting it. Um, the definition we're working with of the sovereignty of God is his ability to, or is his authority in some sense and his um, ability, whether he does it or not, but his ability to um, have a say in everything that goes on. That sort of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you, and just to be clear, I have, I don't have an issue with Calvinist saying God is sovereign because I, I mean, I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. I would have an issue with defining it as he has the authority and enforces it. So, yeah. Would you yeah. say that it's necessary for God to be sovereign, that he has the ability to control um, even the most minute things? Like in order for him to be considered sovereign, he would have to have the ability to control everything? Yeah. So I, I would say that it wouldn't be, I mean, maybe. So I think as creator of the universe and the, the origin of creation, I think that he has that ability to control everything if he wished. But I think that he's given some of that up for us to have freedom and personal liberty. The way that Christ, when he's 
in heaven, he is omniscient, omnipresent. He's there when you want to talk to him. But when he was walking on earth, he wasn't in the Americas when he was in Jerusalem. So, um, like he gave up some of his nature for our sake. So you're saying, but you're, you're saying it for the definition, it doesn't have to be that he can control everything. Yeah. I don't, I would, I don't know if I would say that for the definition of sovereign, he would, it would necessitate that he ha- he has the ability to control everything. Got it. Then yeah, then we can work with that definition. Yeah. That definition. Um. Okay. So we have a few questions here that we're going to kind of just work through as a structure for our conversation. Um, the first one being, how much control does God have? Mm, good question. So, Thanks. I would say. He has all of it. Um, being the the originator of creation, um, he made and established the world. Uh, his, like Paul says in Romans 1, his authority, his, or his uh, eternal power and divine nature are evident in creation itself. Mm-hmm. So I would say he has, he has the, the ability to, whether he is enforcing that control, I think that he gives us personal freedoms and personal liberty. And he's, um, you know, the creation story is the purpose of the creation story is to show, you know, God's nature and our relationship to him. And I think it makes it clear that God gives us free choice. Um, if we did, if Adam and Eve weren't free to choose to disobey, then it would be unjust for God to hold them accountable for their actions. Mm. And throughout the Bible, he holds people accountable for their actions and their choices. So um, I would say that he, he has, was that, was that clear enough? I have a, I have a tendency to be very verbose and repeat myself. No, I think that makes, so you're saying he has all the control, but he offers some of it up to, for humans to have their own free choices. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, it's tough for me to answer because I feel like you can't argue with like miracles and things that happen that don't make sense (laughs) and sort of point to God having more control in situations than maybe, um, I don't know, we like to think, but I guess I kind of think about, I think I, I go back to the analogy of a parent because I don't necessarily think it's really an analogy. I think that is the way we're meant to understand God and humanity and that, you know, he, he sort of gave birth to us. It's <laughs> um, a weird image, but um, you know, that he kind of like created us um, ultimately for a partnership. And so, um, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, like I have my own kids and yeah, like I get to kind of dictate their schedule and you know, get to <laughs> have to, um, you know, like it's kind of on me to sort of give them some structure and some guidance and everything. But like, ultimately my hope is that they won't need me to dictate their lives for them, that they will be their own, you know, people that can do right. what they want. And even now they don't ever like have to listen to me in it, you know, like you could have, 
someone could just not do what you say to do, you know, like a child could just completely not do what you say. And I can't control, I can't literally make them want to, you know, clean their room up or something. Yeah. So, um, so I don't know. It's a hard question because it's kind of like, I guess I don't think God's control is, um, I, I don't know that it's something he had and then gave up more like just like the way the world is, the way that he created everything. I don't know that he ever had what we think of as control. So I would say I, I agree with you. I think that, cause I also, I'm not sure how God made creation. Um, I think if he could have made it so that we don't have choice, he could have made it so that we have choice until he decides we don't. I don't, he could have made it so that we have choice and he, he's not going to go back on that decision. Um, cause like I said before, his character, I think he is sovereign and it's his character that determines how he expresses the sovereignty. So he's unchanging. And if he decides at the beginning of creation, I'm never going to make these people do one thing or another, then I don't think he would ever make us do one thing or another. So um, but if that's the case, I don't know. To my understanding, there's nothing that explicitly says in the Bible, God can't, you know, control us or that God will never. Um, but like I said, when he created us, he gave us choice. He holds us accountable for those choices. Um, he, he begs us to come to him. He pursues us. So um, everything points to the fact that he, he gave us liberty and he respects it. Um, I did have a couple questions for you from what you said though. So, yeah. So, well, one thing, I guess maybe they're not so much questions, but talking points. Um, you said the best way to understand our relationship to God is like a parent. And I agree that it's a, it's really good, but it's, it's one of several analogies used to express our relationship to God. Um, Mm -hmm. Because he is our, he is like our parent. Um, Jesus told the disciples that he was their friend, um, but he's also our king. And he's also like a, um, like our, our spouse, right? Where the, Mm -hmm. the church is the bridegroom. So um, I think that we just need to be careful not to get, not to back ourselves into a corner by saying we we need to look at it like this in every circumstance. Cause it's, cause he is like a parent, but it's, it's still a different, my dad isn't my King. My dad's not my spouse. No, I totally hear that. I think, I think why just in this conversation, it's striking me is that what's unique about the parent child relationship is it's the only one we all have, you know, like you don't, it's possible for a person not to actually have a friend in their life. You know, it's possible for them to never have Mm -hmm. a spouse or to never have a child themselves or to never have a king even, you know, but the father. So it's, it's relatable. It's, it's, it's universally relatable. And I think what's interesting about it as well is that a good parent becomes your friend. And like that, that's the point you're not, you know, like your parent is not meant to be always like an authority over you. This is someone who, if you, if they do it right, like if I do my relationship with my kids well as children, 
then when they're adults, we'll be able to enjoy a fuller relationship and more of a peer-to-peer relationship as well. And, um, and if, and similarly, I think, you know, Jesus is our King, but what kind of a King is he? He's a King who loves us like a father and considers us a a, good King. Yeah. And he considers us a friend, you know? And Mm. so it's, I think that, I think you're right in that our understanding of what a father is uh, culturally or, you know, for whatever reason, I think is actually the incomplete thing. I think that what what God presents to us in the Bible is what a true father um, or mother uh, is to their child because he created us and he walks us through our immaturity. But there's an expectation of like a partnership at the other side of that. So then I think I think what I would say is is more along the lines of let's, I guess, to the listener or whoever, um, recognize that God isn't just our father or our parent and that we shouldn't take that analogy to its end in all situations. Um, because it's a, like you said, it's like the father that God has presented as is, is the the best father. He's the, the way it should be. But the way that we see our parents doesn't, will, will rarely match up to that. Yeah. But um, that I would. And so, well, I'm just, I'm just saying that to, to get, to just be saying always like our dad, when it comes to the, um, the authority, if you grew up and your parents weren't like, they just gave you run of the house and you have this view of, a father being someone where love is giving you cookies every time you want a cookie, then that's going to be very different than, than what is shown in the Bible. So I agree with that. um, Yeah. yeah. So I don't, I don't know that we're, I don't think that we're in disagreement. I think it's just in, I don't like to get trapped in using one analogy all the time. Um, I see that for sure. Yeah. So, and then the other thing that, um, that I thought was interesting, you said that as a parent, your goal is, that your children will grow up and eventually they won't need you. Um, I didn't, and I get I what you're that. saying. I don't, I didn't you're, mean to say that. If that's no, well, I, I get what you're saying. You're not saying like they'll, they'll leave and they'll never come back and, and all that stuff. You're, I think what you're saying is that they'll grow and they'll mature and they'll be able to make their own good decisions and they won't have to come to you for everything because you've raised them to yeah. be critical they thinkers themselves. They won't need you to make their lunch for them. All that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, hopefully I don't really make their lunch now. So, but I, well, it's melted cheese on a plate. So that's true. Keto. Um, but God is different cause he's, you know, we're supposed to walk in the spirit like Jesus, Jesus left. So the spirit would come and on Pentecost to the spirit came to the church and we're, we're filled with him. And, um, God wants us to bring our our petitions to him. He wants us to to be going to him mm-hmm. constantly and um and the the great you know Christians and the martyrs and the the people that were faithful through the the heavy heavy tribulation and mm-hmm. death and every torture are dependent. You know, you read their writings and stuff and it's all they were dependent exactly. on God. So it's and that's and that's I think one of the reasons why I wanted to caution against using parent all the time because it's it's different than like my like my dad raised me to 
to make good decisions. Sure. Um, but I'm not going to him with my needs all the time. I'm not yeah. like, cause, cause there is more of a separation and that dynamic changes where the dynamic with God, I don't think really, it changes in his, like his maybe doling out justice, yeah. but he's always there. I agree. And I, I think I have a couple yeah. of thoughts. One is that I think we need to recognize that we are more like children than we want to believe. <laughs> you know, and I think that that's a biblical principle that we think we're more that. mature than we are. So I'm not sure that an 88 year old person is at the point where, you know, they've reached some kind of maturation where it would, you know, they could say, you know, uh, I could go out and do more. Like is think, maturation a word? Yes. Maturation cool. is the, I don't know what tense it is, but or mature. But, you know, like I think, so I think that's one is that, you know, Jesus tells us to have faith like children. He was talking to adults. Like we are more like kids than we think we are. So we are going to be in this life, especially much more de- dependent on, um, on God than, than we often want to believe just like kids, like kids want to think that they can do everything for themselves when it's not true. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but the second thing is that I think even in, and again, I think that this is, it's interesting cause this is where I'd want to lean into the father language. Um, but, but redefine it and say that like what we see either in our own families or in our culture or in our media or whatever is not the complete picture of what it means to be a father. I don't think the way in our Western culture where it's like, you know, you, you raise your kids and then you send them off and they're just separate from you is like exactly the healthiest way. And I certainly not what Jesus had in mind when he's using the, the analogy of father, he's taught, you know, in Jewish families, they stay more cohesive for a much longer period of time. And I think even, you know, for anyone who could possibly be listening, um, we obviously share a mother and a father and, uh, and our mom passed away about four years ago. As far as we know, as far as we know, she passed away. Well, no, I know what you mean. It was delayed. <laughs> it's like Elvis. All, well, also that, like, just saying. But yeah, I. But in some way, like this might sound too woo woo or whatever for some people, but you're still on. Don't worry. In some way, um, I would definitely say that I walk in my mother's spirit, and so even though she's okay. not here, and when she was here, like I had a pretty close relationship with her. And I could talk to her and I still did. I, I would ask her questions, you know, as I became a mom, she was a mom or as I, you know, whatever, like, you know, I still went to her for some guidance, but even now that she's not here, I definitely think I walk in her spirit as in, you know, I consider the things that she taught me while she was here and I let them inform new contexts and new, dis- you know, new places that I'm in. And so like that relationship hasn't ended just because I'm an adult or even because she died. And I think that that's similar to what um, the expectation is for a father um, in God and us as children. Oh, that's fair. Hey, everybody, don't forget to subscribe on your podcast app. And if you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you're at. Yeah, we're told that this is very important. Uh, also, we need the ego boost. Otherwise, why are we even here? Also, you can send us a message at sibrivalries at gmail.com to submit a topic idea, ask questions, tell us you hate us, tell us you love us, or tell us how we got your view wrong. Thanks so much for listening. The next question we have on here is, can you be mad at God?
What do you think, Caleb? Can you? Yeah. No, a lot of people that are. Yeah, should we? Um, is it wrong? I think those are good questions. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, yes, we can be mad at God. I think, in at least in childhood, anyone who has a concept of God at some point was probably mad at God for something. Whether we should be mad at God is a different matter. I think, I would say that someone who is mature enough to recognize that God does not cause bad things to happen mm-hmm. isn't going to hold God accountable when bad things happen. Um, to be mad at someone would be to, to be justifiably mad at someone would be to believe that that person in some way caused, you know, whatever it is that you're upset with your situation. Mm-hmm. And when we read um, Job, <coughs> excuse me. Um, when we read Job, Job chapter one, verse 21, um, right. It, it, I should probably just read it. Um, but the whole story of Job is kind of an example of our ways are not his ways, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's going through it and he's having all these terrible things happen. And his friends even encourage him like, Hey, like, why don't you curse God? And he refuses. Um, and we see at the end of the book that he has more than what he started with. Mm-hmm. Um, And so Job chapter one, verse 21 says, in all this, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. And even when he's lamenting, he's still not charging God with doing wrong because, you know, the house falls on his family, his livestock's dead, his, all his riches are taken from him. He's covered with illnesses. And, and so I think that when we mature to the point where we realize that, that, all things work together for the good of those who are in Christ. I know I'm a terrible paraphrase. Um, I think that was I'm not good at item. just for, for everyone who's listening. I'm terrible at quotes. Um, I feel like you nailed that quote and then you said <laughs> how bad it was. You didn't do it. Thanks. <laughs> uh, but the good that is being worked, oftentimes we won't see until we're with Christ. Um, right. Second yeah. Corinthians, second uh, Corinthians, Chapter 12, Paul boasts in his weakness because it's in the weakness that God can shine. When he's doing great things, but he has this, you know, this thorn in his side, then clearly it's got to be God. And so do you, so I, I, so what do you, I, 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 I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I guess I'm just saying like before we're mature, do you think like it's wrong for us to be mad at God? I would say it is because if I'm, if I'm unjustifiably mad at you, right. If, if I'm talking to you on the phone and then I, uh, hit a curb and pop my tire, I could be mad at you and lash out at you because you distracted me and I wouldn't have hit the curb otherwise. But when I realized that, no, I should have been paying attention and I shouldn't have been driving while talking on the phone, um, I'll come to you and say, Hey, sorry that I was mad at you. I, I shouldn't have been. Yeah. So I don't think it's a terrible sin. I think it's something that most people are going to do. 
Um, but it is, I would say it's a sin because I, I do think that it warrants, you know, when we've realized that we were unjustly mad at God going back and, you know, repenting and, um, and asking for forgiveness. Mm. So I, I would say it's a sin, but I don't think it's a, I don't think it's like, it's not a capital sin. It's not, you're not murdering someone. You're not, um, you know, something along those lines. Is it all sin equal though? That's another episode. Um, Where does it say that? The So, yeah, I think that's a, I think I mostly kind of agree. I just would weigh, think, I'd put different weights on things. So like, I guess I'm really not concerned with, is it justifiable or not? Because I don't think, that um, I don't think that God is concerned with whether or not it's justifiable. It's just an emotion. I mean, if you're angry at God, it's again, I kind of go back to thinking about kids and parents. It's like, if you're mad at your parents when you're a little kid, you know, it's not, it's not like you're wrong. <laughs> and it's, it's like, you might be empirically wrong, like as in, you don't understand the situation. So yeah. you don't understand why it doesn't make sense for you to be angry right now. But because you don't understand, it actually means that you're not wrong because you don't have that fuller understanding. And that's part of what being a parent is, is like, you know, our parents guide us through, you know, like the whole, you tell a kid not to touch a hot stove and they don't get why. They have no way of conceptualizing what it's like to get burned. And so they're mad at you about it. And so, like you said, I think, you know, maybe later when you're a little bit older of a kid and you realize, oh, mm-hmm. my parents were just trying to keep me safe. You can be like, oh, you know, sorry, I was a dick to you about that, I guess. <laughs> but like your parents don't expect you to apologize to them. They don't care if you don't because they understand. Well, when you were two, you didn't get that. So it's fine. Yeah. And so I, I think it's kind of more like that. It's just a maturity thing that like I agree with you that it's a maturity thing. Also going back to I think we are more like children than we like to think. And there's just a lot that's going to stir us up and get us like, we can't help but feel these emotions and react to, I think about people like who live, who have lived during like war or something and people they love have been mm-hmm. killed by a random bomb that came towards their house for no reason. Or, or the Christians who have actually had to live through persecution and, and not like be like uh, Christians in America or in most first world countries in the world today, however you sure. define first world, whatever, um, are like some of the most coddled Christians in history. Like there's throughout history, Christians have been cut into pieces, tor- fed to animals, had their children killed in front of them. But at least there um, you can say it's- for for their faith. Yeah, and but it's like an ideological and- difference. Like I'm saying, like I think, and so then yeah, it could be harder to like say you know you shouldn't be mad at God because it's really these people or the enemy who's against you, but more like, you know, like, um, someone getting cancer, a random and rare cancer. And, you know, like mm-hmm. when they're very young, what the hell, <laughs> you know, like that doesn't make sense. That, I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, there's no reason for this. I can't blame anybody except God because like, where's cancer come from? You know, it, it's like, yeah. So I think that that, and whether, even if I had, like, I'll say for me personally, the head knowledge is there and I'm with you as far as like, yeah, God's ways are not our ways, whatever. Like he's working things together in a bigger picture. And I believe that, but when it comes right down to it, you know, mm-hmm. like 
when something really tragic happens and doesn't have a good explanation, I have to feel through those emotions and, and, and God's there with me, you know, guiding me through yeah. those. And Well, and I think the, like you were saying, the, the maturity of like when cancer happens and we have no one to blame, but God, cause like, why'd you let this happen or whatever? There's, there's the bigger picture of, you know, he has an ultimate plan. There's the bigger picture of what we talked about earlier, where like he, he created this world and gave us dominion over a good amount of it um, to a certain extent. And, and, uh, and so a lot of things happen as a result of that. And so um, that kind of leads us to the problem of evil. So I don't know if that was the next question we're talking about, but, um, but you, uh, you said something and I forgot to write it down because I was just listening to you because I felt like how you were talking. Um, oh, uh, it was something, it was about the, um, like when something tragic happens, like cancer, um, (laughs) like cancer, (laughs) when, when we're, when we're more mature in Christ, especially like using the example of our mom, um, I find that the more I like, there's definitely a grieving process and there's, and you go through grief and we're humans and we're on this earth and it's short sighted. And we all have that instinct to, for self-preservation and life is good. But, um, there comes a point where the head knowledge reaches the heart yeah. and you realize yeah. like there's, we have a faith that my mom is now way better than I am. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure her with Christ would look back and say, Oh yeah, the, the 22 months were worth it. Cause this is amazing. Um, and whatever pain we go through is, is going to be nothing. And so that's, that comes kind of with that maturity as far as being angry at God, the, mm-hmm. um, like you said, we kind of lash out and we're mad, but when we, when we mature and when we take a step back, we say, Oh yeah, like I, I shouldn't have been mad at you. Yeah. Like I get it. Um, and I, I just, but, I think that's so true. And I also think, I think it's good to, I mean, not to make it too personal, but the way that our mom died was a testament to that. And she was eager yeah. to be with Jesus, even when, yeah. and she felt angry sometimes too, because she wanted to be here with her family, but she trusted God to walk her through that. And I think that my only, my biggest concern with this kind of thing is I just don't want someone to feel, and I, I, I've seen and experienced the shame that comes with like, well, you shouldn't be mad at God. It's wrong to be and it's like, but if God is a good dad who loves us and wants to pull us close, it's okay. Like you, you yeah. know, he can take it. <laughs> and and so I, 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 I oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I, I interrupted you. Sorry. Um, I, so in response to that, I would just add that I do think it's wrong for us to be mad at God. I don't think it's, it's justifiable to be mad at him. Um, but as mad as you get at God, like you said, um, no matter what we do and, and mad, being mad at God, I don't think is a, a huge, terrible sin, but no matter what sin we have, if we go to him and ask forgiveness, he is, um, 
he's just in is it gracious faithful faithful thank you he's just and faithful to forgive us so he's he's always there um and i would say and that's and that's where i would say the analogy of a parent would be very applicable um but that does lead to the problem of evil and bad things happen and sometimes bad things happen with no good thing that we can see coming out of it. Um, And I think that that is a result of us having free will. Um, And quite frankly, the problem of sin is not something that, like, I don't think I've ever talked to someone and about the issue of like someone who's asking questions about God from outside and, and all of this, but it's one of those things that I'm not, I'm not the best at explaining and I'm not the smartest person in the world or in this podcast. Um, and I think that just the character of God is that he is loving and he is kind and he is just. And when people experience terrible things, at the hands of people, he is always there for them to to give them the joy and the peace and the the counsel that he offers. Yeah. And when they die as a result of those terrible, evil things, he's just to deal with them justly. So um I think that's one of those times where it comes down to if they've if someone's never experienced, you know, who Christ really is yeah. and they go through something evil. And they die mad at God, um, you know. To to who much is given, much is is required. To whose little is given, little is required. So oh, Spider Man, <laughs> it is Uncle Ben was Jesus. What? Um, he even died. No, but but what I'm saying is the mm-hmm. there's not a real a real great response to why do evil things happen? Well, sometimes they just do because people are evil. Um, but God is faithful and just, and my faith and hope is in him. So I feel, I think that, I think he's going to deal with people justly and, um, and ultimately it's in, it's in his hands. If someone, like I said, dies and they're outside of the scope of justice on this earth, then, so are you saying that uh, because God, so God intervenes sometimes, right? And like yes. heals people miraculously, let's say, of cancer. Sure. Or, or hides somebody away from, you know, persecution or something like that. Mm-hmm. But God does not intervene every time. And these things are still right. allowed to happen. So how do you kind of reconcile those things that sometimes God acts and sometimes God doesn't. So I, I reconcile that by our ways are not his ways. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. He, he sees time. It's kind of the analogy of a, um, of a, of a ship with a captain, right? God knows where the end is. He knows where the destination is. If we're going from New York to London as a passenger, there's nothing I can do to stop it from getting to London but I can do a lot. I can make a lot of choices and do a lot of different things while we're on the boat. Mm -hmm. And so God knows where we're going. Um, Mm -hmm. 
when he decides to step in and intervene is up to him. I don't see the destination. I don't see where everything is going. So I don't know. But I do know that he is love and I know that he's just and he's merciful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my my faith rests in the the character of God. Mm, that's good. Like, I'm, I'm not expecting the world to be fair. Like justice will prevail in eternity. I don't think that this world with sin and a world tainted by sin is not going to be uh, fair and level and balanced. And why not? Is that because God wants us to have free will? I think so. I think he made us with with the freedom to choose. And for whatever reason, that's important to him. I have my theories. Um, but I think that he's he's allowing us to make those choices. And I think God looks at the the world and people much more corporately than we do as a as a bigger picture, he still deals with people individually. I feel like he's, he's affected my life personally for sure. But, um, I think he looks at, at people more corporate than we tend to. Um, and so he steps in when, when he chooses, there's nothing, there's nothing in the Bible that says in this situation, he will step in. Mm -hmm. Um, it's ultimately it's up to him and, and his choice. And, yeah. We just have to trust that he is who he says he is. That he's good. Which we talked about last week. So do you think that it would be possible for God to just snap his fingers or, you know, I don't know if God has fingers, but, you know, just like all of a sudden bring everything into alignment with his ultimate will? I think the Bible tells us that's going to happen when Christ comes back, where everyone where there's the resurrection, all the graves will be emptied. Um, <laughs> sorry, Chris Ann just jumped because I think the timer scared her or yeah, something. It did. Um, you know, it's coming. It's in front of you. I was watching. It the number down. gets lower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. So I, I think that, so yeah, at, at Christ's second coming, Boom. the graves will be emptied. Everyone will, will um, be judged and, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And that will be, that's, I think that's where the destination is. I think God's told us the destination of the ship, but we just don't know how far we are. But what's um, the point of all this? Or where we're at. So the point of all this is because he, Cause he, said so. he wants us to, I'm sorry, what? Because he said so. Because <laughs> he wants us to oh. choose him. Because he said so, because he yeah he wants us to choose him. So we're um, we're gonna have a separate episode on the kingdom. Yeah. So I don't have I'm not super prepared. No, but that makes um, sense. I think I'm tracking right now. Yeah, but we're he made us so that we can rule with him, and that's ultimately where we're gonna be. Yeah. But here we we choose him, and yeah. and through this world we're made right if. If the destination was 50 years ago, you and I wouldn't be in the kingdom. We wouldn't exist. We would never have been born. That's depressing AF. Well, it's not in the sense that it wasn't 50 years ago, if so we were born and we will be. that movie Soul, you would know that we are like floating around up there in the sky until we jump. I haven't actually. I kind of want to though. It looks so good. good. It looked very cute. It's... Is it up there with In-N-Out? 
Is it on the, or not Inside in and out? out. Inside it's out. Better. I'm it's hungry. Better. Can you tell? It's better than Inside Out. Better than Inside Out. And I loved Inside Out. Yes. I I do too. It's better. Very cool. You're going to like it. Pixar does not endorse this podcast. I wish they did. Um, I wish. Oh, I would sell their merch. I would wear it all. Keep it all. Um, okay. So I think what's interesting there, which, yes, this will come up more when we talk about kingdom and God's dream and that kind of stuff. But um, I don't think that it's possible for God to just snap his fingers and make everything work. Because I think that is um, like once he decided, once God decided, you know, this is all speaking about things in a way that is probably not uh, empirically accurate. But, you know, once God decided to create the world and to create humanity, um, the deal was done. It was like, I am now bringing into the universe, you know, these autonomous beings that are in some way separate from me and, um, and in my image. So it's, it's baked into us that we want, I think deep down, I really believe all of us really do want to see God's dream come true and to be, you know, sort of in that garden, so to speak. Um, but it's a, like, I think the, the idea all along has been that we would be very immature and he would bring us into maturity and um, that that is how um, everything comes into alignment is through our um, intentional and conscious efforts to, you know, to be in alignment yeah. with God. And so, and there's people that choose not to be and, and are destructive forces, but I think the story of the Bible is that the good wins out and that, you know, the Imago Dei um, overcomes and incorporates even all of the shadows of, of what it means to be human. So I would just add that when we do, when he does return and he establishes his kingdom on the new earth, Mm -hmm. that we still have autonomy. The difference would be that now we have a reborn uh, soul, a uh, spirit. Okay. Then we'll be we'll have a renewed flesh as well. Okay. That is n- not tainted by sin, but we still have autonomy. Yeah, I agree. Um, autonomy is key. So just just in case that was missed, I do. I. No. Yeah. Yeah. Just you're to clarify. Good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I think I see where you're coming from. You're. Uh. I feel like you you explain yourself pretty well. So hey, thanks, man. Well. Well, what about? Can we go against God's will? Ooh. That's like, we should have just started with that. That's like such a good Probably. Question. I would say, obviously, yes. <laughs> because, <laughs> and I would point to, like, every single point on the line of history. <laughs> That's what I would point to. <laughs> because, I mean, like, the Holocaust and, I mean, I don't know. I guess I... I'm understanding that this question comes out of there are people who believe and I don't want to deride them, but there are people who believe Mm -hmm. that like even Hitler was working within God's will, right? Because it was God's will that Hitler would have been such a monster, but um, I don't take that view. Yeah. Well, it's, I think it's a view that is necessitated by the definition of sovereignty we talked about before. Oh, if God is, if God's sovereignty means that he's expressing his authority over everything at all times, mm-hmm. then everything in history has to be a part of his will. 
including the the rapes and the pillaging yeah. and the tortures and and all of those things um including the people who directly went against what he said to do so yeah. i think it's i think it's a necessity of that view it's like a um, theater then i mean not to like we at some point we'll have to get a calvinist on here but it is yeah. then it's just like it's like a theater like he's conducting everything he wrote a book and now he's reading it and getting mad at what the characters are doing. Yeah, but that's just part of the story. That he's yeah. that he gets mad too. That's just part of the story. So it's a confusing it's a difficult view, I think, to hold in your heart, but it makes sense in your head. It's very logical. Yeah, so I think even in even in the prayer, Jesus said, Pray when you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed is your name. And then the first Mm-hmm. petition he makes is your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven so, which would imply that his will is not being done on earth as it's being done in heaven yeah. so um yeah it's i think the way i think about it too that's so good because it's like there is an epic battle raging constantly of good uh, which is god's will and and evil you know which is against god's will and the beauty of this is that we are told, and that's where we put our faith in, is that God's will wins, you know, that good wins. And yeah. ultimately, it's all going to be made right. But I think, you know, we can't take ourselves out of the battle. Like, it's an exciting story to live into that, you know, we're we're asking for God's will, for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done here in my life and in my sphere of influence. Um, yeah. It's a good thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we can't, we can't all ignore God's justice and just, uh, believe he's a hippie parent that wants us to be keto and I just feel like run around with daisies. That's true. Yeah. I guess I see God as a hippie parent. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. Well, okay. next time. Thanks we'll for listening. Yep. Thank you.